2: The following is an iHeartRadio podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. Our show is about to begin. More than karate, more than high school, more than romance or bullying, the core story of the karate kid is about friendship. This is the Soundtrack Show. Welcome back to The Soundtrack Show. I'm your host, David W. Collins, and this is our second episode all about The Karate Kid and its music, a film and a film score from 1984, directed by John Avildsen and composed by Bill Conti. In the last episode, we discussed some of the film's main themes, how they came from pop songs and how they're musically related to the film score. We'll continue our discussion about pop songs and song score today. We'll even talk about the finale again at the end of this episode and listen, for the first time, to music that was omitted from the final movie and hear it restored within the scene. But first, we need to have more discussion around the eclectic nature of the film score by Conti. Specifically, the film score cues that are at the heart of this film. The music of Mr. Nariyoshi Miyagi what effect that music has on the character and the way it relates to Daniel LaRusso, how it musically tells our story in the background, and a little about its creation. Let's start with a macro view of The Karate Kid and work our way in. The whole movie begins, as we know, with a cross-country trip. Why? Lucille LaRusso, Daniel's mother, has a job opportunity with a computer company. She's a single parent. We don't know exactly why in the first film, But there is an implication that she's taking Daniel out west to start a better life. We find out later through Karate Kid sequels that Mr. LaRusso, Daniel's father, died of an illness when Daniel was only eight years old and was apparently a wonderful dad who young Daniel loved very much. The point is this. When we look at all of the Karate Kid as a franchise, all of its movies, and the Cobra Kai series, the most prominent theme seems to be about good or abusive father figures, good or bad teachers. A need for mentorship and guidance, particularly in those adolescent years. Daniel and his father, Miyagi and his father, Chosen Toguchi and his father Sato, Johnny Lawrence and his terrible sensei John Kreese, and later his abusive stepfather Sid, and on and on and on. The Karate Kid, at its core, is about our need for mentorship, for friendship, for love, and it works both ways for the student and the teacher. The heart of this movie, The Karate Kid from 1984, is the friendship between Daniel and Mr. Miyagi. The film score reflects this by using different styles and modalities to tell this friendship story. Specifically with Mr. Miyagi, Bill Conti utilizes a woodwind instrument called a pan flute, or sometimes called a panpipe as well as some orchestration and harmonic textures to give us a sense of Mr. Miyagi, his Japanese heritage, and an air of spirituality. It sounds like this. we can immediately hear the expressive nature of the Pan Flute. It sings with tremendous beauty and is very effective in this score. Before we move on with our analysis and the artistry behind Conti's work, I want to mention something first in order to give us a clear path forward. This music that we just heard isn't representative of actual Japanese music or culture. The Pan Flute, as far as I can tell through my studies, has little or nothing to do with Japan. Eastern Europe, South America, certainly, and even as far as Thailand, but this is not Japanese music. It's Bill Conti's interpretation of Japanese music. Why use the pan flute? Why not use, say, a shakuhachi? Shakuhachi. a no-con there could be a myriad of reasons these instruments weren't available the soloists weren't available as I mentioned before the pan flute is incredibly expressive It has tremendous range, it's tonally beautiful, it sings, and it certainly takes to Western harmony and orchestras very well. But I think more than any of that, and most importantly, the pan flute was very fashionable in 1984. And this brings us to a great behind-the-scenes Karate Kid story. There is an artist that, above any other, is credited with the pan flute's enormous popularity in the 20th century. His name is Gheorghe Zamfir, a musician from Romania who, by 1984, was a very well-known pan flute player. In 1976, his recording of a traditional Romanian funeral song was chosen as the theme to a religious BBC TV program in England called The Light of Experience. This was such a big hit that it reached number four on the UK Singles Chart in 1976 and charted all over Europe. By 1983, Zamfir had a number three adult contemporary hit in Canada called Blue Navajo. By 1984, the maestro Ennio Morricone had Zamfir play on his score to Sergio Leone's last film, Once Upon a Time in America. So naturally, early on, when looking for sounds for the Karate Kid,
0: Bill Conti called Zamfir in to play a session or two. I love to do this panpipe thing, and there's a guy having a concert at the Ambassador Auditorium in um, Pasadena. His name is Zamfir. He plays the panpipes. Do you think he'd do a session on an off day while he's here? So you call him, right? You only call because the guy could say no. Uh, yes, of course, I would, I play whatever. Fine, we'll send a car. You do whatever you do, right? Boom. So now I got a panpipe. All this running with John, of course.
2: His demos made a big impression on director John Avildsen.
0: And I'd never uh, heard those things uh, before. And, um... When uh, we started shooting, he gave me this tape and said, you know, give a listen, see what, what you think of that. And I said, boy, I put you right there. So I started listening uh, to that, and that inspired uh, a lot of uh, the visual thoughts. I shot that uh, scene where up up on the, on the uh, bow of the boat uh, with that strong uh, backlight, and you know, we were able to get some really nice uh, images, and you put it together with that uh, music. And, It's very effective.
2: Here's another quote from the La La Land Records soundtrack release. Quote, Conti's versatility made him well-suited for the Karate Kid's musical requirements. The score is stylistically diverse, featuring lush orchestral passages, thrashing rock-driven cues, and, addressing Miyagi's heritage, intimate pan flute solos performed by the famed Gheorghe Zemphir. Quote from Bill Conti, Zamfir was all over the television, selling panpipe records, remembers Conti. He was really good. He was a virtuoso on that thing." What Conti did with the pan flute and orchestra is gorgeous. He tells, through his music, a story of spirituality, focus, respect, and friendship. Let's start by looking at Miyagi's music from the beginning of the picture, and then work our way through to the end. What we'll hear is a touching story of an American teenager befriending a much-needed mentor. When we first meet Miyagi, it's without any musical context. We don't know him. Daniel doesn't know him. There's no music. In fact, Miyagi, spotted at first trying to catch a fly with chopsticks, appears as yet another strange factor for Daniel in this new alien landscape called Reseda, California along with the palm trees, the empty pool, the clam bake on the beach, and the broken faucet. The only thing normal to him is the grumpy old lady from Jersey sitting by the empty pool.
1: Hey, can you tell me where the maintenance guy is? Hey, Bob. Yeah, you go in through there, turn left,
0: not too far, then right, go inside, you'll find him on the left. Alright, so I go right, then left? No, no. Left, then right, then inside, from the left. Hey, you're the maintenance man?
1: Hey.
0: Yeah, we're the new people in apartment 20. Yeah, faucet's really leaking there.
2: Later on, when Miyagi performs his duties as the apartment complex's maintenance staff, again we hear no music.
1: Fix faucet. Oh yeah, come on in. It's the kitchen one. Uh one. Two. Three, oh,
0: karate. Four. Huh? Yeah. Six, seven, from books?
2: But when Daniel starts getting bullied regularly and has a fight outside one night with his mother about wanting to go home, Miyagi overhears it. At this point, Conti introduces the pan flute to us for the first time with a brief stinger chord and what feels like an improvised Zamphir pan flute line. In the last episode, we heard the moment of truth on electric piano. Followed by the defeat version of the three-note motif when Daniel found his fixed bike at the top of the stairs. But right after that, He goes to thank Miyagi in the famous bonsai trimming scene. And at first, there is no music. But once Miyagi invites Daniel into his world by sitting him down in front of a tree, we hear a minor motif by a plucked harp and strings, and a solo pan flute plays over it. Daniel is now in Miyagi's world. Later, when Miyagi saves Daniel after the Halloween dance and fends off his attackers, Daniel lies injured on the ground and sees what he thinks is Spider-Man, air quotes, an unrecognizable figure that he doesn't put together as the maintenance man Miyagi. But as he's lying there injured, we hear again a solo pan flute after the fight, punctuated by ominous low strings. Miyagi agrees to intercede and meet with the Cobra Kais to settle the bullying and begin speaking to Daniel about karate, we hear the solo flute again. Okay, so I've played you a few cues. What I want us to notice is that this flute is solo, alone, in all of these examples, by itself maybe occasionally against a background of strings or a plucked harp, but never in harmony with an instrument close to its range. But what happens next is, I think, a musical metaphor for a budding friendship and mentorship that brings the world closer together. When Daniel first goes to Miyagi's house to begin his training, the music takes on some harmony. Notice the traditional Western orchestral flute now playing a line under the pan flute. Our two characters have begun walking down a road together, training for the tournament. It goes minor here as a way of not getting too light, suggesting character depth that's yet to be explored, before going into a main plucked and tremolo string motif that we'll hear quite often with Miyagi. his teaching motif. I'll play it for you. It's this bit right here. we will hear that quite a bit. Later, when Daniel finishes his first lesson, which is waxing the cars outside, and goes inside and finds Miyagi meditating, the solo pan flute is back. Daniel is perhaps witnessing a deeper spiritual way of living that he has yet to understand. Now those two same Miyagi motifs that we just heard return in the movie as two more sequences, each time with Daniel having to do a different chore. Sand the floor, we hear the teaching motif and the two flutes play together. Paint the fence, we hear the teaching motif and the two flutes play together. Three full days of manual labor without explanation it's all set to this music. The pan flute and the orchestral flute playing together, alternating between those major and minor melodies, and the Tremolo Mystery String motif, the teaching motif, which may contain a little bit of mistrust on Daniel's part. On the fourth day, Miyagi isn't even there when Daniel arrives. He just leaves instructions to paint the fence. Daniel's son is obviously upset, but does what he's told. He does this entire chore without music.
1: Damn it! I can't believe this!
2: When Miyagi comes back late at night, He lights into him, forcing an explanation.
1: Hey, hey, how come you didn't tell me you were going fishing?
0: You're not here when I go.
1: Well, maybe I wouldn't want her to go. You ever think of that?
2: It's here that Miyagi decides to blow young Daniel's mind in one of the greatest scenes in the entire movie.
1: Now show me sand the
2: floor. How did you do that? Shut up! As Miyagi drills wax on, wax off, sand the floor, paint the fence, paint the house with Daniel. Notice that in this great scene, there is no music. When Miyagi explodes into a series of punches and kicks at Daniel, who blocks them with his new muscle memory, the whole scene plays with no music. It's great restraint on the filmmaker's part. But, when the scene is over, and Miyagi teaches Daniel-san how to bow with eye contact and tells him to come back again tomorrow, leaves, Daniel is dumbfounded, and Conti sneaks in. First with strings, but then with a solo pan flute. And what does it play? Our first ever sounding of Daniel's three-note Moment of Truth victory motif. By using the pan flute to give us Daniel's theme here, Conti is musically telling us that Miyagi, as a mentor and eventually as a friend, is Daniel's true path forward. And now for a brief intermission. We return now to The Soundtrack Show. Our next scene is at one of the beaches of Southern California, where Miyagi is teaching Daniel about balance via ocean waves. As he does, we hear a Baroque, Johann Sebastian Bach inspired piece of music, fast moving, like the water itself. This is a classic composition trick, using strings like this to imitate water. Wagner did it, uh, Smetna did it with the Moldau. But maybe not quite like this, maybe not so Baroque. Here's a quote from Bill Conti, quote, The score's final stylistic element comes in the form of Conti's Baroque-flavored cues for Daniel's beachside training. This was not the first time Conti employed material of this nature for an Avildsen sports film. The climactic fight and end title of Rocky were accompanied by heavy Baroque elements, including fugal writing. A fugue is a type of composition that features call and response of themes. Anyway, back to the quote of his predilection for Baroque music, Conti offers, quote, I like it. I like contrapuntal music. Now, does it fit? I do it in certain occasions where I think it works. I've gone to it a couple of times. Daniel Sees the Bird, which is the cue when they're playing at the beach, is an ebullient piece performed at an allegro tempo. That means it's fast. With busy fugal strings and chirping solo flute, as Daniel attempts to balance himself amidst crashing waves. The cue settles into serene brass statements of a three-note motif derived from Daniel's theme as he sees Miyagi practicing his mysterious crane kick technique in the distance. This is the scene that we mentioned in the last episode. As Daniel is learning from Miyagi, the three-note motif appears in the horns like a distant hope. The pan flute echoes the horn, the teacher lifting up the student, giving wisdom. The music over this crane kick is a great foreshadowing of what will hopefully come towards the end of this movie. But what comes next in the film, after a bit more training, is a scene that earned Noriyuki Pat Morita an Academy Award nomination for Best Supporting Actor. Later on in the story, one evening, Daniel comes by Miyagi's home, unannounced apparently, and finds Miyagi drunk, in full uniform, looking at a photograph. He's celebrating his anniversary the movie takes an unrelenting look at some painful American history. We come to find out that Miyagi, while serving in World War II, lost his wife and unborn child due to complications during childbirth. That's what they say, complications. But the true story is that while Miyagi was fighting the Nazis, his pregnant wife was in a Japanese internment camp in the U.S. When labor began, A doctor never came to her aid. The tragedy cuts deep, and Miyagi begins to sob before passing out. Daniel is overtaken by this, and he places Miyagi comfortably in his bed. He reads the newspaper clippings that Miyagi has scattered about, and he puts the whole story of Miyagi's history together. As he does, Bill Conti plays the tragedy first with pan flute, but lush, sorrowful strings react to the pan flute's disclosures. Daniel is seeing his mentor's pain and suffering and is able to relate it to his own. Finding a new strength in his deeper understanding, he begins to train by himself. Here, Conti transfers the flute into Daniel, who musically carries his sensei with him. last musical passage is so powerful not only because of the three note motif by the strings and the pan flute but also because of the harmony it imitates that classic western feel with its one minor, four major what we call Dorian mode harmony It's the same sound found in a lot of Morricone scores for the Sergio Leone westerns, like Fistful of Dollars or The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, and the same harmony found in the Force theme from Star Wars. This moment is a symbolic, musical blending of cultures, telling the story of the student's transformation. But the movie's not over yet. We still have some cobras to deal with. The soundtrack show will continue in a moment. We return now to the soundtrack show. When it's said that Bill Conti's score for The Karate Kid is eclectic, we now know why. Baroque fugues, pan flute music, western motifs, but there's also a rocking element to this film score. As we've heard, this is particularly true towards the beginning of the movie before Miyagi takes over the narrative it's most likely due to the various pop songs that play. Bill Conti is placing underscore between songs. For the Cobra Kai gang, he uses an ominous rock bass line when we have our first fight on the beach. Even hear a little projection of the moment of truth. Uh oh, the fail motif. This is not going to go well for our hero. Now some guitar. The cobras are so metal. Daniel, on the other hand, is a soft, electric piano. Hmm, he's in over his head. We hear this again when Daniel's pushed off the cliff, which we played in the last episode. When Daniel sees the cobras hanging in the high school parking lot, we hear that bass line again as he runs away from his troubles. It's followed by the three-note theme in reverse, the fail motif. First by guitars synth. We almost don't notice these cues because they fit so well in between some of the pop tunes. The songs really shine in the Karate Kid, besides the ones we just mentioned. And some of these tunes are just used to give us a sense of place, such as Bop Bop on the Beach by The Flirts and Jan and Dean. Others are full-blown montages. In fact, I've been looking forward to this. In my opinion, the Karate Kid features one of the greatest uses of a pop tune for a montage in all of the 80s film montages. The lyrics and the mood of the tune fit the story and visuals so perfectly, in my opinion. I'm talking about Banana Rama's hit, "Cruel Summer." <laughs> Daniel leaves his apartment, concealing a black eye with sunglasses, and he rides his bicycle to school. That alone is cruel. When you're in that awkward age where everyone else is driving but you, and Daniel, according to Karate Kid lore, is already 17 years old. He doesn't have his driver's license. He's passing cars and kids pulling up into school on his dirt bike. Summer, by the way, is a licensed track for The Karate Kid, having been written and released the year before in 1983. Sadly, Rama didn't allow the track to appear on the original Karate Kid soundtrack release, but that didn't stop the song from finally becoming a hit in the U.S. because of the movie, peaking on the U.S. Billboard charts in 1984 at number 9. Try to be
1: best, because only a man.
0: By the time the big fight happens, it's supposed to all come together. And musically, it's supposed to come together because I'm hoping that because it's that ultimate fantasy, that non-literate thing is going into your ears and I have control over your emotions if you're listening. Even if you're not listening, by the way, I think I can probably control you. If you're still sitting there in the 11th reel, you really want to be there. If you're gone, you're gone in the third reel, second reel, I don't like this movie. If If you're there in the 11th reel, I got you. Warning for illegal
1: contact to
2: the The climactic finale. Miss, Johnny. The All Valley Karate Tournament. Good versus evil. The coming of age story. This sequence contains a lot of music. First, there's the famous use of song score with You're the Best, as we've discussed. But then, when we enter the semi finals, the lights in the gymnasium dim and the film score gets to work. Here's how it lays out. Starting with the semifinals, the sequence plays without music all throughout Johnny Lawrence's semifinal round and then through Daniel's semifinal round with Cobra Kai fighter Bobby Brown. Bobby disables Daniel with an illegal kick to the leg and is disqualified. All looks lost, as Daniel is too hurt to fight. None of this contains any music, That is, until, with a bit of movie magic and suspension of disbelief, Miyagi heals Daniel with the start of a hand clap. This hand clap is musically hit by Bill Conti, and the score kicks in. Oh, this is going to be good. Bill Conti scores the rest of the movie from this point, all the way until the closing credits. But... In the final movie as we know it, the music ducks out a few times in the mix, leaving only the sound of the tournament to carry the drama. I'm going to play the movie from this point until the end, the movie as we know it, and point out when the music fades in and fades out. Afterwards, we'll play the sequence again with Conti's music fully restored, and we'll hear it together for the very first time. Let's start with the hand clap. A low string pattern. All right, ladies and gentlemen. This is the moment we've been waiting for. The present Some horns stabbed to build tension.
1: Daniel LaRusso is gonna fight.
2: As Daniel comes back into the tournament. strings build more tension and more tension accented with timpani. But as the fight between Daniel and Johnny starts, the music fades out, here.
1: Listen to that, now it's gone.
2: Now in the fight, the they're result. on the floor.
0: You're dead.
1: Hey! All right, Daniel. Hey! Here we go. Daniel. Yeah. 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 You got him this time, Daniel. You got him. Ah, yeah, Daniel.
2: <laughs> Daniel takes the lead right away with two points.
1: No, right, time out. Daniel. Time out. What do your sensei? Turn, Neil.
2: Now. As Johnny goes over to his sensei crease, a new cue called No Mercy begins with an ominous Stravinsky esque chord.
0: No sensei? No
1: mercy.
2: Right here. That's two
0: points, LaRusso. Lawrence, nothing. Ready?
2: But the music fades again. Gone. Just the fight again.
1: Lawrence
2: Lawrence gets another point. We are now tied.
1: Yeah,
2: okay. Whoever wins the next point will be our new champion. No and then Johnny attacks his injured leg, and a new cue starts. It's called Daniel's Moment of Truth.
1: <laughs>
2: Here, the score plays all the way to its dramatic conclusion in the movie as we know it. But now, we're going to listen to this again, and we'll let the score play out as Bill Conti wrote it. Starting again with the hand clap. The music plays here as usual. All right, ladies and gentlemen. This is the moment we've been waiting for. The press is dead. The horn stabs, everything. This was all the same.
1: Daniel LaRusso is gonna fight. Daniel LaRusso is going fight. Now, who's in this one? Go, You go. That's a leg, son. All right, the-
2: Before when it ducked out, now the music stays in.
1: This is You're dead. Please. All right, Daniel. Hey, Here we
2: go. Ah! out.
0: Yeah! Yeah!
2: Yeah! you
1: you have a problem with that? No, sensei.
2: It plays all the way through the sequence. No Mercy. Ending right as the No Mercy cue begins, here. And now, No Mercy stays in. Two
0: points, LaRusso. Lawrence, nothing. Ready? Fight!
2: This is really intense.
1: Come on, be slow, be slow kick to the side. One point, Lawrence. Two two. Ready? No, 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 no. I understand you, you can do it, come on! Yeah. Oh.
2: Again, the No Mercy Cue finishes right on the attack to the leg as the last cue begins. And now, it plays to the finish. For illegal contact to the knee. Johnny, hey. No
1: mercy! No mercy! Finish, noble teeth. finish
2: him! And bam! Yes! The moment of truth being!
1: Please look! Yeah. Oh, yeah! Woo! Yeah. Oh, yeah. Woo! Woo! Yeah. Hey! That missed the Miyagi! We did it! We did it! All right!
2: Woo! Into the credits. that music added a ton of excitement, a ton of energy. But again, the tonal balancing act that a director must perform led to parts of the cues being omitted. I love The Karate Kid as is, and usually when I do these comparisons, I find myself pretty clearly siding with the final product. But I'll be honest, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing a screening one day with all of this music restored. It definitely ratchets up the tension and earns that big ending. Then again, maybe John Avildsen didn't want to rob the ending of any of its musical power and decided to save the big music until the very last minute. Either way, it's hard to argue with the results. Thank you all so much for your social media messages and emails. I read every single one. I'm curious to know what you think of The Karate Kid. And as always, I'd love to hear your feedback and suggestions for the show. You can email me at Soundtrack Show Podcast at gmail.com or follow us on social media on Facebook and Instagram at Soundtrack Show HSW or on Twitter at Soundtrack HSW. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at David W. Collins. Thank you. The Soundtrack Show is an iHeartRadio podcast.